The FDA approves the Pfizer vaccine, Larry Elder gets accused of being a white supremacist, and Ron DeSantis pushes for alternative COVID treatments. I'm William Hall and this is The William Hall Show. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into things here. So the FDA has approved the Pfizer vaccine uh, for their approval, at least to a certain degree. I saw some reports talking about it being for emergency use only. But either way, we're seeing the FDA basically push this through. That's what the news is trying to say in this particular situation. Why is this happening? What's the big deal about this? Well, if you've been following all of this, one of the big arguments against the vaccine has been the idea that it is not FDA approved. That's one of the biggest uh, indicators that we're not sure that there's some, uh, at least uh, some types of variations of what we could expect out of this entire vaccine. And right now we're not having any, or a lot of people aren't having much confidence in the vaccine, considering the fact that the FDA hadn't approved it at that point in time, or at least up until this point. Now we knew that this was going to happen. Okay, we, we knew that this was going to take place because we saw them leading up to it. We saw them talking about it over the weekend. They were saying, we want to have it done by Monday. It's in the best interest of Democrats and the companies like Pfizer to get this FDA approved because then they can make a lot more money as a result of it. They can tout the FDA approval on that on top of that to say now no one can refute it. Okay, now the weird thing is that the FDA isn't exactly the most credible in this situation either. And, and there's a few reasons why. And all we have to do is really look at the numbers and kind of make our own determinations as to what is going on. And this spells a lot for disaster in many areas as well for maybe you, myself, or anyone else that you know that is working a standard job because now they're going to use this as a way to force these vaccinations amongst different people. So starting into what we're, what we're going to kind of go into here. So the FDA authorizes vaccine for ages 16 and up. So right now it's only 16 and up. Anybody beneath that, it has not been approved for. Now this is kind of weird. This is kind of weird because what you have is a situation where they're basically saying, well, we've only, it's only for these 16 and up ages, but it's now super safe. Once again, what were the tests showing beneath the age of 16? What was going on there? I really want to know. I, I think the public deserves to know why they didn't want to approve it for ages under 16, but yet they're passing it as safe. They are passing it as safe, but with an age limit, which is kind of interesting because I think a lot of people need to know what that kind of constitutes as being. You know, what is it that at the age of 16, all of a sudden changed in their data? What made them hesitant to do it? Or obviously in this situation, not approve it at all for ages under 16 in the first place. That's what I want to know. I think that's what a lot of people should be asking at this point in time. But once again, this approval is going to be used as a club to force people to get vaccinations. It's going to be used as a way to uh, cram these down from employers and you name it. Now, the crazy part about this is, I mean, there are people out there right now. There are certain institutions out there right now that are going to, at the drop of a hat, do everything that they can to make sure that this vaccine is forced and mandated Amongst everybody. I mean, literally within an hour. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was within the hour that the FDA announced that this was being approved or had been approved today. 
New York City says that they're mandating vaccines for all public school teachers and staff. There's no way to opt out. And it marks the first flat-out vaccine mandate that we've seen so far. They were the first one to do it. The, the first one to do it. They, they could not wait. They, all they needed was the FDA to put this through. And then within no time, immediately it's mandated. No way to opt out of it. Now, of course, I think a lot of people would probably be okay with this if those companies, if New York City or whoever it is, uh, was actually going to accept liability for forcing their employees to do it. In other words, if something happens to you as a result of getting the vaccine, that you can then seek damages from that company or from the government or whoever it is that's trying to mandate these things and say, you're now liable because you forced me to take this and this adversely affected me in some way. But of course, they're not going to do that because... See, the thing is that if there was something in government that basically forced that to happen, they wouldn't be mandating it, which tells you everything you need to know. They would not, no company, no city, no government would be mandating these vaccines if you made them liable for doing so. What they're basically trying to do now is just say you're forced to do it. And if something happens to you, we're hands off. We have nothing to do with that. That should kind of make everybody a little weary of this entire situation. But that's not where it all ends. Because on the last episode, I talked about the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine. And many of you probably noted that, once again, it was 42% effective against the current variants that we're dealing with right now. 42%. Someone please tell me why in the world 42% constitutes a FDA label all of a sudden. Since when is the FDA perfectly okay with a, a 42% efficacy? I don't understand where that comes from. It seems as if there's something that's wrong in the system here. Something maybe corrupt that's going on that will cause this to take place. And don't take my word for it. Let's look at the stats of what we're showing. First of all, I don't believe there's ever been a vaccine that's ever been approved by the FDA uh, that wasn't at least around for about 12 years of testing. Yet we have this out within not even a year, not even a year. So this should kind of strike everybody as being a bit odd, uh, a, a bit worrisome to a certain degree, because there isn't any significant proof showing that this is going to be the, the best thing out there because the numbers don't show that. That's it. 42% would normally be too low to constitute any sort of emergency use, by the way. 42%, really? Let alone an FDA approval. So that's very, very, very strange. But here's a picture a chart if you're watching this on video, but I'll kind of spell out some of the big things to take away from this. Um, but there are a few things that you can see on this, on this chart here where you're able to see the different types of viruses. You're able to basically see the, uh, the, the actual discovery of the virus, the vaccine used for, uh, in humans after that was approved and the years to a vaccine from that. Okay. So you can literally see the time frame that it took for people to have a vaccine that was developed. And it wasn't all just, you know, <laughs> you know, new things, by the way. So, for example, I mean, you had polio, which took 45 years. Measles took 46 years. Uh, influenza was the shortest one at uh, 12 years. Uh, you, you have, like, hepatitis B took 17 years. Hepatitis A took 22 years. HIV still going, uh, but basically almost 38 years. Uh, and then all of a sudden, COVID-19, you have a vaccine within six months. And we're supposed to be perfectly just accepting all of this as being perfectly fine. That's why people are worried about this. Of course, you have the freedom to choose to do that. If you want to do that or not, that's on you. It's, it's your health. The problem is that Democrats are telling you that you're responsible for their health. 
that it's your fault that we're that they're getting COVID, even though they trusted 100% in the vaccine, they trusted 100% in the mask, they trusted 100% in the lockdowns and the institutions and everything that the Democrats were telling them would work 100%. I mean, Joe Biden was the one, not just Joe Biden, but all of the Democrats were kind of parroting the line that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is it is the unvaccinated that should truly be worried about what's going on. Meanwhile. The vaccinated are getting COVID over and over again, getting sick. They're the ones, mainly the majority of people that are actually getting COVID at this point. So now you have these booster shots that they're looking at adding into things. And yet, for some reason, we're supposed to go right along with this FDA thing and just assume that that's just the way that things should be. That's the issue that I have here. You're free to get it because you're responsible for your health. But Democrats are telling you that you're responsible for their health. That is because of you that they got COVID, because of you that they are the ones that have to lock down or do this or get a booster shot or that my vaccine didn't work because of you. What? Seriously, that's what's happening right now. And we're supposed to just go along with this narrative and just believe that this is at some point going to end. It isn't going to end. The fact is that this this vaccine really isn't a vaccine. If you're familiar at all with the Pfizer vaccine, it's an mRNA vaccine. It is not one that is anywhere near like any other vaccines that you've had for flu or anything else like that, by the way. It is literally changing your DNA, your RNA, uh, encoding to fight against coronavirus. It's a different technology that has never been used in any massive scale whatsoever. And that's what the FDA is approving right now. So make no mistake about what is really, really going on here. This isn't about your health. It's about them being able to do and tell you what you need to do. And we're going to see this happen. I'm sure this week is going to be full of all of these places, teachers, unions, counties, states, uh, you name it, big companies that are saying this vaccine right now, this 42% effective vaccine is mandated all because the FDA said so. That's all they needed. This was just the the excuse that they can now use. So if you are working somewhere and you're worried about them forcing you to get a vaccine, be very aware of what's going on right now because this will be used as the club to do that. This will be used as the bludgeoning device to force you into submission to do this. No matter where it is that you work, and if you can't get it, then you wind up being the one that gets fired as a result of it. Now, there are maybe some ways to hopefully maybe opt out of this through a religious exemption or something like that, but... Hard to really know at this point, but make no mistake, people's jobs are at risk right now because of a vaccine. Something as ridiculous as that, and not an effective one, okay? Not not a 50% effective vaccine at that. I mean, you would at least assume that it would have a much higher uh, effectiveness than that, but once again, that's not what this is about. It's not about your health. It's about control. So a Wisconsin sheriff actually was... Uh, beginning to refer to inmates as residents, okay, to reduce what they're saying is the stigma around people being in jail. I'm, I'm not really understanding where this guy's coming from here. This seems like more uh, excuses for them to try and cover up what is obviously is a criminal, okay? A criminal is a criminal. That's the only way that you're going to be able to explain that. But obviously, this guy's a liberal. Like I said, this Wisconsin sheriff, uh, he's wanting to refer to inmates as residents or or another term or phrase that he's wanting to use is those within our care, okay, to reduce the stigma that's normally around people that are convicts and whatnot, because he's saying that they should be treated with dignity, respect, and humanity. Listen, they, they should be, obviously, to a degree. I mean, you know, within constraints, of course, considering the fact that they did commit crimes to some degree. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you need to try to rename the, the words around it to hide what they did. 
I mean, that's one of the biggest things that you see the left doing these days as well, is once again trying to use language, the change of language, to alter perception, to alter what people think, what they believe when they hear certain types of words. Now, the statement that he made here is that I view this change in name as a way to humanize those who are without our care. First of all, we know they're humans. We know that they're humans. Okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how calling somebody an inmate or a criminal is dehumanizing. That, that's a human, or sorry, a human behavior for somebody that did something criminal in behavior. I don't understand how in the world that would all of a sudden uh, constitute as you being able to or wanting to change everything about the, the, the name of it. So they said that being called inmates or convicts increases the stigma against them and makes, them, makes it harder to integrate back into society upon release. Which, of course, they would have a problem doing that just in the fact that it's on their record. I mean, it would have nothing to do specifically with the way that you call the name or something like that. But once again, how far can we take this? So this uh, this actual kind of release was done by this um, the site that's out there that basically was kind of making a mockery of it, but just to kind of show how far this can really go. So, for example, they said that we can call the jail the Dane County Residence Inn because apparently that's all they are. They're just, you know, residents staying within our care and, and no big deal. We don't have to really focus on the idea that they did anything wrong, okay? And, and then for the sheriff, uh, the name of the sheriff, we'll call them the uh, property manager, okay? You know, we don't need to have them have that, uh, that stereotypical title of sheriff, right? I mean, we clearly want to be welcoming and inviting uh, we'll also call the sheriff's department the Dane County Leasing Office because that's all it is. It's just people kind of staying here for a short period of time or a certain period of time. They're not going to be here forever, you know, and, and we'll also change the word bail to security deposit because we wouldn't want people to know what the money's really going towards. Um, and, and then the correctional guards or the jailers, we'll call them camp counselors because we know that they're not there to try and, you know, stop inmates from hurting each other and escaping. Really, they're there just to make sure that they're uh, good chaperones uh, on this, uh, maybe this kind of field trip that they're on at this point. And using the word sentencing uh, is a bit harsh as well. I mean, why don't we just call that a lease agreement or a reservation? Because once again, we would not want to hurt the feelings of the people that are actually under these uh, conditions. Once again, you, you can go really far with this, right? But it, it's going to sound really stupid as you do that because ultimately you're trying to cover this up. And once again, this never works. I've talked about this before where you have the language, these these types of words get changed and construed in different ways, but ultimately over time, people always will associate that new word with the original meaning, and then you had to change it again, you had to keep changing it. The, you, you just can't get away from the truth. The truth is the truth, and there's no way to try to wrangle yourself out of that situation no matter what you do. So in a bit of another story, many of you are aware that Larry Elder, a uh, black conservative, he's been around in the in this uh, field for a long time in politics, and he's actually running for governor of California now. So kind of crazy when you have a black conservative that's actually doing this because of the whole recall against Gavin Newsom now. But Larry Elder uh, is one of the kind of the front runners in this entire race that's going on right now. And I, and I know a lot of people don't exactly agree with some of the things they've heard from him recently, and I haven't either. He is running in California, folks. He's not going to win in California if he's uh, going along with his own personal beliefs. I think he's playing politics, but that's a little bit beside the point because the LA Times thinks that Larry Elder is the new face of white supremacy. I mean, seriously, th this black conservative is now the one that is responsible for everything in the world that's wrong and with white supremacy. That's what they're trying to claim, at least in this particular situation. So this writer of this article is completely out of her mind. Completely. So she says in their quote, 
Like a lot of black people, though, I've learned that it's often best just to ignore people like Elder. People who are, as my dad used to say, skin folk, but not necessarily kin folk. I hate that. I hate that statement. I really do. Because what you're ba what they're basically saying here is, you know what? Because Elder, he, yeah, he may be black. Sure, he may be black, but he's not really black. Because black is about being a set of beliefs, right? I mean, that's what they're saying, right? That... Being black is a lot more than just skin color. So you're telling me that as long as a white person is uh, voting the same way as black people do and agreeing with you in every way, that they're all of a sudden black? Of course they wouldn't say that. But they're very quick to say that Larry Elder isn't really black because he doesn't agree with me. These are today's supposedly tolerant Democrats right now. I mean, it, it, she sounds like Joe Biden. If you don't know if you're voting for me or uh, Trump, then you ain't black. I mean, that's basically what this sounds like, is that unless you agree with me 100%, you aren't really black. Maybe you don't, you, you can't possibly care about black issues at all because you don't agree with me. I mean, that's a ridiculous statement to make. Or, but, but you have these people do this all the time, okay? So she goes on to say, I won't lie. Few things infuriate me more than watching a black person use willful blindness, uh, uh, sorry, blindness and cherry pick facts to make overly simplistic arguments that whitewash the complex problems that come along with being black in America. And of course, my question to this is what exact problems is she's referring to in America that aren't perpetrated by black people themselves? I mean, once again, it's they're trying to find the blame. Larry Elder's basically usually saying, hey, maybe you should fix your own problems before you try to start blaming others because your own problems are the things that are really affecting you the most. Which is not lying by saying that. But this lady obviously disagrees with that and feels that we'd better be victims in this entire situation. So she's, she's making these statements also, assuming that somehow liberal policies have benefited Democrats or benefited black people at all. They haven't. I mean, let's look at California, for example, folks. I mean, all we have to do is simply look at the facts. At what point have liberal dem uh, liberal policies from Democrats actually worked to help black people? I mean, I'd love to ask her, name one Democrat policy that has helped black people at all. You've been voting the same way for 50 years and you have all of these problems. Maybe, just, just an idea, maybe you should think about voting a different way. Maybe somebody has a better solution than the one that you have that you think is going to work and it hasn't worked. It never will work. I mean, we know it's not going to work because as we can just simply look at the bad policies there. But uh, she goes on to say, perhaps out of spite or perhaps out of an insatiable need for attention, Elder opposes every single public policy idea that's supported by black people to help black people. This was this has been true for decades, but it's particularly problematic given the racial reckoning following the murder of George Floyd. Now, once again, maybe black people don't know what's best for them. Maybe we should be looking at that. I mean, she's acting like just because black people voted for it, that all of a sudden it's the, the de facto good thing for them. It hasn't worked for them. I mean, it literally has not worked for them. But yet she's using that as a way to say they must do this. But she continues and she says, if he's elected, the task force studying reparations for black Californians would be toast, as would yet unsigned bills to allow police officers to be decertified for misconduct, whatever that's supposed to mean, and to support community-based alternatives to 911. So basically what she's saying right there is that reparations, even though they have no way to prove who's black and who's not black and who actually had ancestors that were slaves or anything like that, 
we we need to pr- we need to put that into place. That's what's really actually important. Meanwhile, also basically saying I stand with the boss, the police. When they talk about this, this is once again the, the left using words to cover things up about what they really mean. She's saying that they need to support community-based alternatives to 911. Community-based alternatives to 911 means getting rid of police entirely and relying on your community to police itself, which has never worked, by the way. The same community with high crime as it is that's supposed to automatically police themselves. Meanwhile, they don't even like the Second Amendment. So it's not like you're going to be able to have a a gun. I mean, it, it really boggles my mind. Once again, these policies hurt black communities more than anything else. And yet, she's the one trying to push this as if she knows best. I'm not, I'm not going for that because the fact is that it's people like her that misunderstand what it is that Larry Elder is actually trying to say. They're so focused on the Democrat narratives that have not worked for them in forever that they're blinded to what's actually going on. Meanwhile, they hate Larry Elder. They, They think and she's saying he's basically a white supremacist because he doesn't agree with me. Once again, what do you have to lose? Things couldn't be worse in California right now. Things couldn't be worse in some of these other Democrat-run states. Maybe, just maybe you should hear him out. Let Give him a try. Let let his things fail, and then we can talk about it. But the fact is that that's not what she's focused on at all. It's all about trying to demonize Larry Elder as as the worst person on earth, given the fact that, once again, none of her policies, none of the Democrat policies have ever ever worked in favor of black people at all it only made things worse when she's talking about this stuff with the police though really she's just saying hey look you know what i'm gonna take an already crappy place to live in like california and make it even more crappy i I want it to be really bad that's basically what's going on the thing too is that the polls are actually showing that nearly half of likely voters supporting the recall newsom actually are or have larry elder in the lead amongst the replacements so they're obviously scared of this guy. I mean, the more prominent he becomes, the more scared they get. And that's what this is about. They're afraid that this actually might wind up happening as a result of this. And the thing is, is that if defending the Constitution and uh, and believing that all men are created equal constitutes as white supremacist or, or white supremacy, then I don't see what's so bad about that at all in that situation. Because the left is using that, saying that, oh, they're constitutionalists and you believe that all men are created equal, then you're a white supremacist. If you're a Christian, you're a white supremacist. Okay. By their definitions, I mean, that can almost be anybody. Then it's not that bad or that big of a deal. It's not evil in that in the sense that the way that they're trying to use it to define it and who they're applying it to. It's not even what it used to mean. Once again, they're literally calling a black man a white supremacist. How does that work? <laughs> exactly. So w- once again, you, you have the situation that uh, really needs to be rectified. And I, and I think that... Uh, what they are, they're scared, and I think that Larry Elder actually has a really good chance at actually winning this race, becoming the governor of California, a lot better than Bruce Jenner, for example. So we'll see where this goes. Ron DeSantis has opened a monoclonal antibody clinic in Lakeland. So I'm a little bit biased on this story because the place that he set it up at is actually the church that I go to, um, but... I just want to kind of go through a little bit about this story, what's going on with this uh, this entire thing. I think this is a great event, a, a great occurrence that is taking place right now in Florida in particular. Uh, but the, the clinic was set up at Lakes Church, 
and will be open seven days a week, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the center said that the clinic has the capacity to treat 300 patients per day using Regeneron. Okay, so here's a little bit of Ron DeSantis explaining this at the press conference there. Uh, thanks, Senator Stargell and Representative Hawkins uh, for being here. Uh, we're uh, pleased to announce that uh, starting today at 1230, uh, we'll be offering monoclonal antibodies treatment free of charge right here at Lakes Church. It'll be open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and we'll be able to treat more than 300 patients each and every day. Uh, this, the treatment of monoclonal antibodies using the Regeneron uh, is designed for people that are at risk of hospitalization due to COVID-19. Uh, it's for people who are either COVID positive or who are high risk and have been exposed to somebody who is COVID positive. This has been available now since the end of 2020. It's been uh, given the same emergency use authorization that uh, the three vaccines have had uh, and has been used by our, our health systems uh, in most parts of the state pretty consistently. However, uh, it's something that a lot of people didn't know about. And so we've really helped raise the visibility of it. Uh, it's also something that prior to us setting up these sites, you would need it to go to a physician and actually get a doctor's a pres a prescription to be able uh, to get it. So you have hospital systems that have infusion centers, physician refers you, go, no problem. What we've done here is had the Surgeon General issue a standing order, uh, which makes it easy for people to be able uh, to come in without having to necessarily see a doctor uh, beforehand. And this is treatment that's available for people uh, regardless of vaccination status. Obviously, if you're vaccinated, the chance of you getting seriously ill um, is less than somebody who is not uh, uh, vaccinated, all things being equal. Uh, however, people are testing positive who are vaccinated. It's not rare, it's happening. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you know, we know that a number of people that have been admitted to hospitals uh, in the last uh, month have not been vaccinated. And so this is once you're infected or once you have an, an exposure, uh, this is early treatment that has been proven uh, to reduce the risk of hospitalization by 70%. And that's true in clinical trials. It's also been true in the real world data uh, when it's been used. The Regeneron is what's being used here uh, at these, uh, the clinics that the, that the state is setting up. And part of the reason that we're doing that, one, it's free. Uh, the federal government bought out the entire stock of Regeneron last year uh, once this was approved. And so the state draws down these treatments, uh, patients come in, and patients are not charged for the Regeneron. I think it's just important to stress that because you'll have people putting out misinformation saying, oh, this is thousands of dollars. And look, I don't know what the federal government paid for it, but they paid for it, it's done. And so uh, a Floridian that comes in is not gonna be charged that, and it's just important. We don't want that to dissuade anybody from doing it. So drawing it down, Regeneron is the one monoclonal that has been shown to be effective against the Delta variant. Uh, you had the Eli Lilly also came out around the same time as Regeneron. Uh, the, the data isn't as good with respect to Delta, so most uh, hospital systems and physicians are opting for the Regeneron. Uh, Regeneron is also 
been approved for application, not just through an IV, but also subcutaneously. And so when you're hooked up to an IV, it's a basically, you gotta be on the IV for about an hour. That's what most of the health systems are doing uh, because that had been how it was initially approved for. It's since been added where you can do the subcutaneous. So that will involve people can come in, you know, you get two shots in the belly, a shot in each arm, and then you're done. So that does not take an hour and it allows uh, these sites to be able to process more people if the demand is high. And then finally, I had mentioned the Regeneron is the only monoclonal that's approved for use for prophylaxis. And so you, know, you can imagine like a nursing home, if there's a, a positive test somewhere, you can go in and provide this to nursing home residents who may have been exposed. And again, most of these nursing home residents, of course, are vaccinated. They were the first ones we went into to be able to help them, but you still have people uh, who are testing positive. So obviously I'm a little biased because I actually go to this church, but this is an alternative treatment. That's what this is about. It's about offering people alternatives to the vaccine, uh, as we're seeing, especially with after the FDA stuff and whatnot that's going on. Uh, remember, Trump was also treated with this as well last year. A lot of people aren't even aware of that. So, you know, if it's good enough for Trump, I would assume that it's good enough for uh, anybody. If they're willing to use it on a very high profile individual like the president of the United States. So uh, once again, this is just to open this up and allow people to have options. And right now we're at a, at a point in time, not only through social media, but just through the media in general, that we're, it's being discouraged of, of these other treatments. I mean, you, you really see them actually suppressing this over and over again. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to report on it. They don't want to show you what's going on. It's a bit ridiculous because really this should be about actually making sense out of uh, different varieties of treatments that are there. There's plenty that we are aware of, but they once again don't want you to talk about them whatsoever, even if they have a proven track record to actually work. They will censor you simply because this isn't the vaccine. That's what this is about. You have to ask yourself at some point, why are they so busy trying to push only the vaccine when there's other types of treatment that are out there that people don't even know about? Because the fake news doesn't report on it and doesn't tell you anything about it at all. Once again, when you know that, this isn't about your health. This isn't about uh, you being better and them caring about your health. It's about them trying to push something very specific by saying vaccine, 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 and ignoring all the other treatments that are out there. Once again, this should be uh, my body, my choice kind of thing that you would hear the left typically say, but they don't want to believe in that in this particular situation. They just feel like it must be something that they must mandate, that they must make everybody adhere to no matter what you believe. And the fact is that this is significantly better. What Ron DeSantis is doing is significantly better than what Cuomo is doing by throwing COVID-positive patients into nursing homes and killing upwards of 15,000 elders because of that. They want so badly for Ron DeSantis to be the person that they can blame for this. They call him Ron Death Santis, and they keep trying to make Florida out to be the worst place on earth. Meanwhile, they can't do it. They just can't do it. A great example of this is that the AP uh, wrote an article trying to condemn uh, DeSantis for pushing these COVID alternative treatments. Once again, they have proven track records as well. So the Associated Press uh, was talking about this, and they said one of Governor Ron DeSantis' uh, top donors is invested in the company that makes a life-saving COVID treatment. And they're talking about uh, the, the Regeneron there. So the issue is that this all falls apart very quickly because that apparent donor that they're talking about, Ken Griffin, is the CEO of Chicago-based hedge fund Citadel, which also donated to Joe Biden's inauguration committee. So how can he, on the one hand, be this 
uh, in the pocket of Ron DeSantis, but also be donating to the Biden administration as well. That would be kind of odd, wouldn't it? That doesn't make much sense. That's why it falls apart, because obviously that's not true. And you don't see them, of course, writing an article saying that Biden is in cahoots with the person that's doing Regeneron or pushing that. Of course, that's not what's happening. They're using it as a, a once again, as a, a reason to try and attack Ron DeSantis, but nothing else towards Biden or, or anyone else like that. Now, the thing is that Regeneron sold all of its 1.5 million doses of, like I said, of the monoclonal antibody cocktail to the U.S. government. So all of this has already been bought out. It's literally free. It's already been paid for and everything. So when you're typically talking about somebody being financially invested in something, we're talking about stock prices or something along those lines where it would say, oh, by them pushing this, they are in turn raising their profits or raising their stocks or raising their, their sales. Well, that can't happen if the government already paid for everything. So the stock prices are deemed effectively irrelevant because why would it matter? The governor or the government already paid for all of this. The company already made its money. So DeSantis trying to push this treatment is not a way or it really in any benefit to Floridians uh, at all in the sense of, of the uh, of the stock prices going up or the sales going up in any way. It actually doesn't really matter if Floridians take this treatment or not because it's already been bought and paid for everything. So this just demonstrates the lengths that the left is willing to go through to attack conservatives no matter what. That's what this has always been about. It's just we need to make Ron DeSantis look evil, look bad, look incompetent at his job. So we'll do everything and anything in our power to make sure that that happens, whether it's true or whether it's false. So I had mentioned a couple of episodes ago about a uh, a lot of the Christians that are actually in Afghanistan right now. They are literally undergoing persecution, being killed, uh, all for having even just as much as a Bible app on their phone. I mean, it's gotten extremely out of hand. We've lost control of Afghanistan. The Taliban has taken over, the terrorists there, and not much has been done. A lot of these people are stuck there. They can't get out. And so Glenn Beck has actually been trying to, through his foundation, uh, been trying to actually help these persecuted Christians out. And they were actually able to raise more than $20 million in three days to uh, towards helping rescue these Christians from Afghanistan. So the Nazarene Fund is actually gearing up to extract about, about uh, 5,000 people, mostly women and children, because if you recall, they were uh, the United States was going to be taking a bunch of these refugees, but they were all men. So all the women and children were left behind. Like, how does that work? I mean, this just goes to show their societal differences between ours and theirs. I mean, usually the women and children are the ones to go first, but in, in, in their society, everything is flipped, uh, the exact opposite of that. So, like I said, they're going to be trying to extract 5,000 of these people. Um, and, and Glenn said in a statement that the churches have disbanded over there. Uh, Christians are not even, they're not hanging together. They're not hiding together. They're all hiding separately. The Taliban is stopping you checking your phone. If you have a Bible app or anything to do with Jesus on your phone, you're instantly being killed. Uh, they are setting Christians on fire. Those who have converted because they're the worst, according to Taliban, are even worse in their eyes. So really what you have here is a situation, once again, of severe persecution taking place. And, and, and at the same time, you see videos of the Biden administration that clearly show you that they could care less about what's happening to the people there in, in Afghanistan. I mean, there was actually a video of, of Kamala Harris walking off the plane, getting asked about the, uh, the the situation in Afghanistan and getting Americans out of there. And she just starts laughing, doing the stereotypical Kamala Harris laugh. 
It's insanely ridiculous. You even had videos of uh, Chuck Schumer dancing around. I think it was with Colbert or something like that. I mean, they don't care about what's going on in Afghanistan at all. This is nothing but just a a, a game for them. And they, they know that this has been a massive failure of policy of action in their particular situation. We have proof that there's uh, just hundreds of thousands of ammunition and, and ammo and uh U.S. Uh, equipment and everything that they've taken now that the Taliban have access to because Joe Biden decided to leave it all there for them. So we basically equipped every single one of these terrorists with weapons all because Joe Biden does not have any idea what he's doing at all. So I'll definitely be keeping you updated on this story, but just remember to pray, continue to pray for the Christians that are there in Afghanistan because it's a really, really tough situation for them there. This Colorado Springs father destroys the critical race theory argument in this awesome inspirational speech. You can check it out here. I am the direct descendant of the North American slave trade. Both my parents are black. All four of my grandparents are black. All eight of my great-great-grandparents, all 16 of my great-greats. On my mother's side, my ancestors were enslaved in Alabama. On my father's side, we were enslaved in Texas. I am not oppressed. I'm not oppressed, and I'm not a victim. I'm neither oppressed nor a victim. I travel all across this country of ours, and I check into hotels, and I fly commercially, and I walk into retail establishments, and I order food in restaurants. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. I am treated with kindness, dignity, and respect, literally from coast to coast. I have three children. They are not oppressed either. Although they are victims, I've taught my children they are victims of three things. Their own ignorance, their own laziness, and their own poor decision making. That is all. My children, we are not victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would by and large be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly, sadly, very sadly, one of those institutions is the American education system. I can think of nothing more damaging to a society than to tell a baby born today that she has grievances against another baby born today simply because of what their ancestors may have done two centuries ago. There is simply no point in doing that to our children. And putting critical race theory into our classrooms in part does that. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is not combating racism, it's fanning the flames of what little embers are left. I encourage you to support this resolution. Let racism die the death it deserves. And let's keep living the life of country that we Thank you. So once again, it is not just white people that oppose CRT. You hear this all the time from the Democrats trying to kind of conjure up a false narrative of what's happening. And it's just not true. It's simply not true at all. But the other thing that I like about what this guy is saying is that, you know what? I tell my children they are victims. Victims basically to their own problems, their own issues that they themselves are responsible for. What he's basically saying is that 
or advocating for really is personal responsibility, which is something that a lot of us have always been trying to push on people to understand that, listen, if you make bad decisions in life, you're probably going to have a bad life. If you make very good decisions in life, you're probably going to have a pretty good life. It's very simple. But what you can't consistently do is blame others for all of your problems all the time and expect to somehow be able to get out of that situation. And, and he's also pointing out the child abuse that's also involved as a result of this. I mean, that's a part of this as well, is that you're literally telling innocent children that they have these ills towards one another because of something that they didn't even choose, right? That they never had any power over, that nobody has power over, that they're automatically guilty of these things, automatically oppressed by these things on both sides. It is incredibly evil to do that to innocent children that haven't done anything. Once again, this this racism stuff isn't uh, it isn't just acquired naturally in, in the environment. It is taught. It is taught to these students, and, and the schools are responsible for it. They're keeping it alive. They think they're fixing the situation, but that's not how you do it. But the left's solution to everything is to try and uh, just, just insert it into everything. To try and get it inserted into all of the institutions, and somehow that's gonna fix every situation. The problem is that they also do it through lies. I mean, that's what CRT is about. It's an absolute lie. The entire setup around everything. You, you know, the left also tries to do this when you think about it with, say, the poor. I mean, they'll say, oh, well, there's poor people, so let's give them welfare. Let's give these people welfare, and that'll fix the situation. Except then you create a welfare state where they people just are like, hey, this is fine. I'm fine living this way and collecting food stamps. No problems here. I just want to get a job. And then so they wind up exacerbating the issue. Uh, they do the same thing as well with, with race and uh, when we look at reparations or any of these things like that where they try to push these policies that we know are only going to simply hurt the people that they're trying to help in the first place. That's what they've always done with everything and this is no exception whatsoever. All right, so last but not least, this episode's TikTok liberal is a, I don't even know what to really say about this one. This is a, It's basically a guy that is, I guess, so excited about Biden that he's dancing around with his shirt off. All right, so if you're listening on audio, what you have is, like I said, this big guy, no shirt, has Biden written on his stomach, and he's doing some weird dances. I don't even know what to really call that, uh, but honestly... This is just weird, but on, but I have to admit, it's actually kind of funny. It, it really is. Because at this point, you know, we need a little bit of a laugh. And and it, it just is actually legitimately pretty funny because it's just so stupid. It's so out there. And I mean, it's just preposterous and cringy. Uh, that, that really is what's going on right now. I, I mean, there is no real excitement over Biden. So seeing this guy just act crazy over this for whatever reason... I, I don't even know where to go with that. I mean, he's literally, like I said, he's got Biden written on his stomach, and then he has this this rainbow fan that he's fanning around and everything. But yeah, I, I don't really know what would warrant this video that Biden's really done. I mean, we all we know is that, of course, he's completely screwed up everything. But you know, to at least see this guy doing this is actually kind of a little bit hilarious to a certain degree, but really more sad than anything. Sad, hilarious, I guess you could say. Uh, but you know, it just makes you realize how stupid things have gotten on TikTok and just in politics in general, really, uh, in, in my opinion. So, and, and don't blame me. If I had to see it, you have to see it as well. That's the way I kind of do it here. So, cause some of these things are really, they just don't get more cringy than this. But with that being said, that's all I have for you on this episode. I thank you for watching or listening to this one, and I will see you on the next one.